Hi everybody, this is astrologer DK Brainerd, and you are listening to the Stars for the People podcast for the week of Monday, May 31st through Sunday, June 6th, here on EmpowerRadio.com, empowering you. Well, there's been a lot of water under the bridge, and a lot of other stuff too, as Bob Dylan sings on Things Have Changed. Since the last time we talked, as most of you know by now, my baby came early, four or five weeks early, Um, and surprise is going to be one of the themes of this week's show, surprise, you could even call it shock, Uh, we're going to talk about Uranus and Jupiter moving into the sign of Aries. We're going to talk about the oil spill and our response to it. And most of all, we're going to talk about the tremendous opportunity that is also a responsibility to act that is incumbent upon us as the action for this summer just heats up, begins heating up this week. Um... Yeah, you could call it shock. So Uranus is one of the outer planets. Um, the outer planets also sometimes called the transpersonal planets because those are the archetypes of um, that represent things that happen to us that are that are are really outside of our control. And each of the outer planets has its different style of forcing us to evolve. Uranus, the Awakener, functions by approximating uh, maybe the feeling of being hit by lightning. Uranus operates like uh, alternating bursts of current, electric current, that blast us out of our comfort zone and um, force us to move forward in life. Neptune is the planet of dissolution, of ego dissolution, of ethereal beauty. But Neptune, you know, when we're having a major Neptune transit... We tend to struggle with um, everything seems to be true. Everything's equally true on some level. And um, Neptune challenges us to let go, to let go of fixed ideas and preconceived notions and egoic preoccupations. But at the same time, um, when we let go, we often enter this dream world where it becomes hard to navigate the, the consensus reality. Pluto... The outer planet Pluto is the slow, inescapable force of decay of the old and outmoded so that it can be replaced by something new. And so we're also going through, you know, um, so many threads, so many, so many um, ways of approaching this, but we're going through three of, I mean, these outer planets are always affecting us. What makes this summer especially intense is that both Uranus and Pluto, and very shortly Saturn as well, are all going to be sitting at zero degrees, give or take a degree or two, of the cardinal signs, Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. And the zero degrees of the cardinal signs, that's called the natural horoscope. And it's considered by many to be the sort of axis or the grid of the horoscope for for the world, for the entire planet. And it's pretty demonstrable um, that when we have major aspects happening, 
major energy confluence is happening on that world horoscope, big things happen in the world. And what's going on now is a recipe for really some giant changes. So if you've been subscribing to my free newsletter, if you've been listening to the podcasts, or even just reading the horoscopes over at wordsforthepeople.com, you you know, I've written a lot about Pluto and Capricorn, and the fact that in 2009 we entered a um, about a 20-year period, 15 to 20-year period, in which the world is going to change just as, as much as it did in the time of the American Revolution, the Industrial Revolution, back in the 1760s and 1770s. And we we still got Pluto sitting in the first degrees of Capricorn, so sitting right on that uh, world horoscope. So we've got that going on. And uh, we've also had Saturn and Pluto squaring each other, and, and Saturn has backed off a little bit, retrograding back into Virgo. Saturn is moving forward again now and is activating that square energy again, you know, more and more strongly as we go into the summer. And Saturn-Pluto times tend to be times of sort of um, repression and, um, you know, fanatical oppression by people who think their way of doing things is better than your way of doing things. A lot of times, historically, um, these groups have been governments, uh, also terrorist organizations. And one of the other... um, you know, some, and as I wrote in a recent blog post, Richard Tarnas in Cosmos and Psyche, which I think is the most outstanding study I've ever seen on the outer planet cycles and how they correlate to to world history. You know, Tarnas said that one of the signatures for Saturn Pluto is the war between man and nature. So man being at war with nature, and they they tend to these Saturn Pluto periods, which last for about three years each time, um, tend to be in addition to all of the other problems that they bring, economic crises around the globe, often shortages um, of of natural resources, including shortages of food, gasoline, things like that, they also tend to bring environmental disasters. And, and certainly we're seeing um, one of the worst environmental disasters, you know, in, in, in recent memory, which involves quite a few environmental disasters in in our lifetime anyway um so we're definitely seeing that that pluto force of evolution and saturn bringing things um you know accentuating that and and really bringing the power element who has the power into it now the big shift and and so i've been talking about that a lot over the last year and you probably get a i got a good feeling of what that feels like to be under saturn pluto it can be a really sense of of, of depression, you know, and the world is changing and it's not changing in a good way. Uh, maybe we feel like there's nothing that we can really do about it. You know, we're out of work, we're losing our homes, um, people are sick and dying. You know, it's uh, times are tough, as Tom Waits says in Nighthawks at the Diner. You know, things are tough and they ain't getting any better. Okay, here's what changes though. Uranus moving into Aries. So Uranus, the planet of enlightenment, the awakener, moves into the sign of Aries last week. On Sunday, June 6th, Jupiter joins Uranus in Aries. Now Jupiter comes into Aries about every 12 years. Uranus hasn't been in Aries. The last time Uranus moved into Aries was 1927. 
so the height of the Roaring Twenties, right before the Great Depression, and also um, a time when Uranus and Pluto were square to each other, as they will be on and off over the next 10 to 15 years. So, you know, major, major changes coming in the world, but I want to kind of keep it local and talk about what's starting to change this week, and we'll explore in greater detail as we get further into it. So if you look back at what's going on in 1927, it's a time of tremendous, tremendous innovation and creativity in the world. You know, America, here in America, um, unrivaled sort of economic power. And usually in times of, you know, massive economic prosperity, there's this sort of opening of the culture. So we had things like the first movies were created in 1927 and 1928 the first movies that had color that actually had full talk and music so what we think of as modern as modern movies and if you think of where we are and how we became the global power that we have been in the last century movies are such a huge part of that movies and television you know that's the that's the way that we have as a nation exported the Ameri- the american brand um you know f- feel good be free spend lots of money acquire things um you know and and so that that was a major major development at that time you also had things like openly gay actors living together you know, so there's this like real, and, and of course we all, you know, you kind of think of the flappers, um, you know, the, the ladies in the twenties and there are these, there are these, um, like a spate of novelty songs about hard to tell who's a man and who's a woman, you know, women, women were like asserting all this freedom. Women had just, um, won the right to vote finally. And that had become, uh, you know, a national thing. And so there's all this expansion, all this sort of cultural opening and creativity and inventiveness. Jazz is, is just booming. You know, people, white people are listening to race music and, and going to see colored musicians. And, um, here in Detroit, you know, that you've got, um, uh, what's his name? The, the famous, um, uh, I want to say, Jack Johnson, the famous boxer, um, you know, who's who's squiring around white ladies around town and, and, you know, creating this uproar, but people are loving it. There's all this mixing of, of you know, all this opening. So, so um, at the same time, you had this very repressive backlashes going on by uh, the Ku Klux Klan, among others, and there was a major anti-immigration campaign, you know, um, let's crack down on the immigrants, they're ruining the country. So we can kind of see all these, the seeds of the culture wars that have been building up to today. And one of the things that I want us to be on the lookout for is that with Uranus and Aries, Aries is the sign of the Zodiac that you know, it's the beginning of the astrological year, the beginning of spring. So Aries starts at the uh, spring equinox and Aries is the energy in the, in the Northern hemisphere. Um, Aries is the energy of initiation of trailblazing of pioneering 
of passionate action, right? And with Uranus and Aries, there is suddenly going to be major opportunity for change. And some of that is going to be forced. That's the way Uranus works. When things are stale, when things are stuck, and Uranus comes into the picture, Uranus blasts that stuckness or staleness away. And that can be things like we're holding on to um, old ideas of what it means to be prosperous. You know, So one of the ways that I see this Pluto and Capricorn era that we just went into in 2009 and we've got another 15 years or so is that Capricorn represents the major world structures, uh, government, um, healthcare, corporations, you know, all the ways that we organize ourselves on, on a large scale, um, large scale. So as society breaks down under this Pluto and Capricorn influence, you know, and, and if you look back to the 1760s and 1770s, you had the breakdown of the monarch, the system of monarchy, of a rural agrarian system that quickly, dramatically gave way to the city, the modern city, with its factories and its slums and, you know, its opportunity and its mixing of, of different races and, and um, nationalities and and economic classes and, and things like that, you know, and all the attendant problems, but also all the attendant opportunities of that. And going from a rural agrarian society to a manufacturing-based urban society. And in order for that to happen, we had to have a move away from that rural farming sort of small family-oriented way of, of doing things. And we're going to see the same thing over the next 15 years. But what's going to be breaking down, in my opinion, is the manufacturing-based economy that has built up over the last 250 years since the last Pluto and Capricorn. And as Uranus moves into Aries, we're going to start to see this accelerate in ways that probably, you know, we don't even, we don't even know or, or can't really even imagine yet. So the thing I want us to be on the lookout for is that there's going to be opportunity, but sometimes this opportunity is going to come disguised as catastrophe or disaster or, um, you know, sudden shifts where people are moving from one area, you know, fleeing from an area due to an environmental or a man-made disaster or due to terrorism or, um, you know, shortage of resource, things like that. And on an individual level, we might experience this as, you know, suddenly I really have to move because I can't afford my house anymore. Or I have to move because there's an opportunity, you know, across the country or in a different place. And if I want to do it, pop, I have to do it now. And the, the thing with the Uranus and Aries energy is that what we need to be focused on is when I feel the call to move, I need to move. Because the one thing that Uranus really punishes us for is knowing that it's time to move, it's time to change, it's time to grow, it's time to do something more progressive, and hanging on to the old ways because they're more comfortable or because I'm scared of what the future might bring. And I think the interesting thing about this is that we're going to 
all of us are going to begin to feel this upwelling of energy of, hey, let's innovate. Let's do something new. You know, let's find different ways of doing this. So we've been talking about moving away from dependence on oil for years and years. One of the ways that this Uranus-Jupiter, and again, Jupiter expands everything that it touches. So as Jupiter and Uranus hook up in Aries on the world horoscope, we can expect to see this radical expansion of the urge to innovate, of the urge to break free of the old paradigm and try new things, you know, try new solutions. And so one of the things that that we want to pay attention to is when I get called to act, then I need to act because otherwise it's going to, it's going to hurt. You know, if you, when you see the lightning striking and you're still standing out on the golf course holding your golf club up in the air, you know, sooner or later that's, you're going to feel what it feels like to run all that energy through you. And that's the way Uranus operates. So, I mean, this moment feels so huge that I don't want to scare you. I don't want to scare myself. And, you know, I think the last thing that we can afford to do is buy into the fear. Um, But at the same time, we can't afford to bury our heads in the sand. You know, so we can't afford to pretend that the deep water horizon thing isn't happening. Um, We can't afford to pretend that the way of life that we've been sold on, you know, we've been sold this bill of goods that success means constant conspicuous consumption and success means owning your own, um, you know, McMansion in a gated community somewhere. Um, you know, success means isolation and Prozac and Abilify to help you deal with the effects of isolation and with working, you know, way too many hours at a job that you hate in order to be able to afford the pristine isolation. We can't, uh, we can't pretend that that's valid anymore because it's not. And one of the things that, you know, we're going to be called to do is to reorganize ourselves as communities based on the world that we want to see and the world that we want to live in. So I don't know how this is all going to play out, but I want to put it on your radar If you're feeling something, you know, and sometimes remember that sometimes fear, what we think of as fear, can actually be anticipation. You know, that urge to move that you might be feeling might feel like restlessness or jumpiness, but it might just be that you're about to jump into the reason that you came here and agreed to be born and, and, you know, go through the first part of your life for, which is to really be the change that you want to see in the world and to really get out there and do something about it. And, you know, just as a final thought, um, I guess I should wrap up the baby story, you know. So maybe this is a good, maybe this is a good way to wrap it up. Um, you know, when, when, uh, when Jennifer had been having contractions three minutes apart for three hours in a row after sort of, you know, in retrospect laboring overnight, and we were doing the hypnobirthing thing and focusing on the breathing, you know, and there was some intense sensation going on, and I'm sure she would say that there was some intense pain at times. Um, but, you know, we were in denial, I mean, because we weren't ready. We we just moved two weeks ago. Uh, we just had the baby shower a week ago. We're still trying to get the house ready. There's all these things to do, you know. I'm in the process of revamping my website. Um 
you know, we're just not ready. So we just kept telling ourselves, well, this is false labor. You know, it's Braxton Hicks or whatever. Um, it's going to stop. And after about 12 hours, you know, the contractions had gotten really regular and, and it became obvious that it wasn't going to stop. And so we called up the midwives and the midwives said, you know, get to the hospital. You, you just get in the car and go. And we did, and we made it through all the road construction and um, got there, and two hours later, the baby was born, you know, and it wasn't, it didn't happen perfectly the way we wanted it to. Um, we were supposed to be doing it in the alternative birthing center, and since the baby was preterm so early, you know, we had to do it in the regular hospital, and of course, they wanted to try to make it medical, and, and fortunately, you know, that we had the midwife sticking up for us, and and also, you know, I just talked to the baby and said, listen, man, you got to you got to move it along or they're going to, they're going to intervene here and, and make this more unpleasant. And, um, so it was this intense, you know, unexpected, just everything compressed into about two hours and 15 minutes. And then afterwards we're in the hospital and they're trying to take the baby away and they're trying to give him medication. And, you know, it's this constant circus of people in your face trying to get something from you or give something to you. And, you know, none of it happened the way we planned, but because we were prepared and because we were present and because we had a good community of people to help us, such as the two midwives who, who were there, um, the one midwife, Jan, who stayed several hours after her previous shift ended because she was there and we needed help. And... It ended up being a largely positive experience and what could have been quickly turned into sort of a disaster an emergency type scenario you know ended up being a positive experience and one of the things about having the baby a month early and the baby's doing great by the way he's healthy and, and um, he's got his own personality already and you know doing working on doing things his way but one of the, the the great things about it is we don't have to worry about when the baby's going to come. You know, we got a whole month now of, um, you know, worrying and uh, and uh, preparing and overthinking things that we don't have to do. And to me, that's the way Uranus operates. Is when when Uranus is activated, you know, it just comes in and you have a you have a choice. You can move or you can stay there and get blasted. And so in a lot of ways, you know, the disasters that are going on, um, both economic and natural disasters, the wars and, and, you know, all of that stuff has been going on for the last hundred years. And you could argue for the last several thousand years as well, you know, but the, the 20th century will go down in history if there is a history after this as the most barbarous century, you know, up to up to this point in, in mankind's history that we know of, you know. And so this has all been going on. This has all been building up. And, and one of the ways that I'd like to invite us all to look at this period that we're entering where action sort of becomes mandatory and we, you know, we're driven both internally and externally to, to really live up to our ideals and to really... Um, you know, get out of our heads and get out of our fantasy worlds and get out there and create and make the world we want. 
So one of the ways that we could look at this is that it's a really a blessed relief because we know what side we're on, we know what we're trying to create, and there's no longer going to be so much of an excuse to just sit back and feel like victims. You know, it's time to be the change that we want to see. And I think for many of us, that's going to come as a great relief. And it's also going to come with a lot of opportunity because those of us who have been training for years, you know, to be clear channels for the divine energy, to be healers, to be organizers and connectors of positive people and positive energy, we're going to have so much opportunity to do that and to actually be remunerated for that, you know, to make a good living and to, um, you know, to live in a fulfilling kind of way that really wasn't necessarily possible before. So, you know, it's going to be a big summer and I'll do my best to keep you up to date on the information that I'm getting as far as things are evolving. For now, pay attention to what feels important to you. Pay attention to what your soul wants and start putting your thought energy and your emotional energy there. Connect to the people that um, that share your vision, that share our vision, you know, it's time for us to connect in radical new ways and to really create. And, and I do believe that this is the time that we were born for. So let's live up to that. You know, let's live up to that challenge and let's do it. Let's do our best. Okay. Until next week, I hope you found this useful and inspiring. I remind you, come on over to www.wordsforthepeople.com. We're in the last couple weeks of the um, old site, and I'm moving to a much more interactive, hopefully very exciting um, format in the next two or three weeks, it looks like. You know, we'll see. Surprises galore. Um, but anyway, until next week, this is astrologer DK Brainerd saying, bless you, and may you go with the stars. Best minds of my generation refuse to take their medication. Your electroshocks, your chemical pills, mm, ain't gonna cure what ails us. And I've seen the best minds of my generation washing windows at the service station. Guess up the beat.